Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You found the Playmakers. Only on 1140 The Bet, Las Vegas. Paul and Lindsay with you on this Thursday afternoon. The, not just any old Thursday not afternoon, Not just any old Paul, Thursday afternoon. Not for just, multiple reasons. Okay. I've got a ton of audio here. Why do we need to hear about them? Let's talk about us first. We can absolutely do that. Because today is a very special day, and it's 319 p.m., which is even better because you know my lucky numbers, 19, 27, 35, yep. and uh, November 4th. Because today November 4th. is our second anniversary of having the Playmakers. It is. It's year. You have two full, two full revolutions around the sun with this show. The longest and shortest two years of all time. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. That's uh, the truth. Yeah, we pretty much did about nine months yep. without actual sports. We've done about five revolutions and two rotations. Um, and uh, I, I can't really believe that we're already here considering how yesterday that feels in terms of, of the first day of the playmakers and there were three of us, then it quickly became two and then the world or the world changed and everything else. And then we were just changed. making yep. up as we think going. Stupid March madness. And so I want to say March thank madness. you to you and Marcus for, for helping me create this opportunity for all of us, but you guys were, were here before I was. And so um, I just want to say happy anniversary to both of you yeah, and been, to our listeners. It's been an interesting ride. For sure. Yep. Be, we've been, you know, out at bars and out at, you know, media days yep. and and out and about. And then, you know, then we were at home. Yes. <laughs> Staring for, at the wall, talking to each other. Right. Talking about, you know, a Michael Jordan documentary for three days in a row. Yep. Or, and you're watching hockey from a bubble in our bubble. And then I was watching hockey where no one was in the building. And now we're watching hockey where... There are more people in the building, but not as many as we usually would think. And now, yeah, full circle there. We have a face in the building. At least we will have a face in the building that we we're all we all kind of knew it was going to go down. But now that it has, now that it is indeed happening, it is truly a a great marker for me of just how how far we have come in the two years, and then how far I have come personally in the last five or six because Jack Eichel and I were at a New England sports writers all-star banquet in 2015. We both had great seasons. He won the Hobie Baker. Uh, We did not have a Hobie Baker equivalent for us. We're going to get more into that later on in the show as well because it's a big day for uh, the women's hockey world. But Did you have chicken? I don't remember what I ate. Probably. That sounds about right. I think it was one of those pre-selected dinners, so I don't, you know me, I don't eat very much when I don't get to choose. Yep. And I don't like choosing either. And that's exactly where we are, where we are. <laughs> and Jack Eichel wasn't 
being afforded the choice of what to do with his body, with his surgery. And that's really where uh, all of this started to go wrong. I think that was the la- the the real thing hanging over the entire negotiation and all the bad feelings between him and it now his former team in the Buffalo Sabres because, like I said, he wins at Hobie Baker. He gets drafted second overall uh, just behind Connor McDavid. I work and I, I shoot pucks for a living for a year. I go home, coach, and, and shoot a few more pucks and coach Dryland, and he scores a few goals, and now we're both in Vegas. What a time, what a world, what a life. Here's how Jack explains what went wrong, and this is an interview with uh, Sportsnet out of Canada just a couple of hours ago. I remember when you were drafted. This is one of the greatest markets in the NHL. It should have worked. Yeah. Where did it go sideways? You know, we obviously changed management in um, in 2020, and it just seemed like we were heading towards another, uh, I don't want to say rebuild, but, you know, we weren't, uh, we weren't really in a position of, you know, that we were going to try and, you know, go win, and you know, I was hearing a lot of things that we were going to try and, uh, you know, try and do a rebuild or so, you know, I, I, I went to the team and just said, I didn't, uh, I, I wasn't really happy with, uh, with the idea of that. And that if that's the route they wanted to take that, uh, that maybe it would be better to move me and, uh, use me as sort of a, as a jump start and, and, and get some, uh, you know, picks, prospects, whatever you want to say, and and, um, and and start your rebuild if that's if that's the case. And obviously, that didn't go over well. Um, you know, I'm a competitor. I want to win. We obviously hadn't won, and I, you know, like I said, this is a business. This is, you know, pretty apparent to me after the last eight months. And I looked at that as a decision that I was making strictly uh, because I thought that was the best business decision for me as a hockey player. And that's when it became a personal thing, I think. Yeah. Because it's weird. For me, asking for a trade, going through a second rebuild in, in five seasons or less, where patience is a virtue, I understand. But to be fair, the, the Buffalo Sabres are, are working with the longest playoff drought in the league. And it's not like they're knocking on the door as a, as a nine seed. They're just barely missing out. They've been bad. And they show flashes of brilliance early on in the season. And they end up faltering down the stretch. And Jack was the source of a lot of that success. He had a damn near MVP season a couple, uh, couple of years ago. But once he goes in and says to new GM guy who's Kevin Adams, and I don't want to be here, all of a sudden, and understandably from, from management standpoint, I'm a little irked because this is the guy that, I, that has been given the C. And granted, that leadership did not give him the C, but no matter what, that was who he was. And that's why when he was injured, that all of a sudden that became the, the chip that Buffalo held over him. And they became the ones who were dictating the pace. They became the last party to ask and the only one that could provide an answer of what surgery he could get. And then the rest of it was just straight up mishandled. And right. so finally it comes and culminates in this deal to get done. And I'm sure he, the the Sabres and the Golden Knights are very ready to move on and for, for a multitude of reasons. So Golden Knights, ESPN gave Golden Knights an A for the trade. They gave the Sabres a C for this trade. Obviously Alex Tuck, who came out on Twitter about an hour ago, thanked everybody from VGK, but said, listen, I'm from Western New York. And if mm-hmm. there was anybody that was going to go, there was going to be him. Yeah. And so, and he slid. They're talking, I mean, he could be back in a month. 
Yeah. In terms of we'll taking in terms of taking us, but if not, where does this leave the Golden Knights right now? Just in terms of personnel, I mean, not that Tuck was going to play anytime soon, but Peyton Krebs was part of this lineup. He was he was you know slid in up and down. We were really high on him. I say I say we we were really high on him. Well, yeah, that, and that that was the sticking point for the deal. I, the the Sabers had targeted Krebs as a guy that they wanted, and I, the Golden Knights kept saying no, 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 and then finally they were willing to do it because these conversations. I don't know if we'll ever find out how long they truly have been ongoing between these two teams or if that uh, framework for a deal between Buffalo and Calgary had any credence to it. We'll, we won't really know. Um, but in terms of what this team is working with, I mean, you're asking line combos when I've been at practice and they're up in Ottawa and they don't tell us anything. And so they're working with a cast of characters in general. But when you send away a, a talent like Peyton Krebs, who's an up-and-comer, who's uh, trade really harkens back to the Nick Suzuki, Max Pacioretty deal. Sure. It's the concept of the way that this roster is constructed that a lot of people are like, whoa, 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 this isn't how we do things. But as I tweeted out earlier, the Vegas Golden Knights are the LA Rams of the NHL. And in this essay, I will dot, dot, dot. So let me ask you about this. And I dug up a gem from draft night mm-hmm. from when two years ago. I want you to listen. It's just 24 seconds long. I want you to listen towards the end of the announcement of the Vegas Golden Knights making the draft. Just listen closely. The Vegas Golden Knights select from the Western Hockey League's Winnipeg Ice center, Peyton Krebs. And with that, the wait is over for Peyton Krebs. This kid reminds me of Ryan O'Reilly. That type of player, that type of impact on the game. You know what's really cool about this? We're going to get Peyton Krebs. They already have Cody Glass. They're setting up center ice-wise unbelievably well in Vegas. Yeah. That was from draft night, the analysis, once Krebs was, was drafted by the Golden Knights, that they felt that all of a sudden with Cody Glass who was literally on NHL Network less than a year ago talking about how he was poised for a breakout season, and Peyton Krebs, who had zero goals this season, and had, is this more telling that they didn't believe Krebs was going to take the step, no, much, no, like, no. much like Cody Gla- much much like Cody, much like Cody Glass? Well, I thought you were going to either go to the Ryan O'Reilly angle. Well, which, you can go with that one, too. That was the, that was know, the impression. That, the, that was literally one of the worst trades I've seen made in the last 10 years, and we're only just a couple seasons removed of that. Because remember, Ryan O'Reilly was on that Buffalo Sabres team, and they traded him, and then the next year he won a cup with St. Louis. And their return, I don't even know what they got because that's how bad it was. And granted, remember, Ryan O'Reilly, I'm pretty sure, also had a DUI during his time in Buffalo, so it was a much different type of context and player operating but he is obviously an unbelievably responsible two-way uh selkie type of guy that we talk about each and every season and Peyton Krebs absolutely has the foundational elements to develop into one of those players if he is in the right environment and given uh the reps to do so Cody Glass not so much uh the other angle that I wanted to take in terms of what I heard at the end of that clip because I don't think this is about giving up on anybody because you can't you can't give up on anybody because if you give up on Peyton Krebs, you got to give up on everybody else in this damn league that's ever existed because he's a young guy, he's a top prospect, and as we just talked about, he might have selky things in his future. That's about as uh, attractive an asset as one could get. What that end of the clip signaled to me, and of course it comes from Pierre Maguire, at least that sounded like his voice with all of his hockey insight, because he's kind of right, at least uh, about something outside of 
where somebody played their college hockey or, or their juniors team. In terms of the stockpiling of assets, we've talked about that with goaltenders. We see that being employed the most by the Dallas Stars right now. They have Brain Holby. They have Ben Bishop. They ha- have Anton Kudobin. They have the uh, Jake Ottinger kid, who is their next guy. That Jake Ottinger makes those three others expendable. So all you do is wait in the weeds until a team desperately needs one because somebody's either gotten hurt or they're not performing up to snuff. And that's where you make that leverage play. And that's similar of what the Golden Knights are doing by drafting these young centers. I think there's probably a larger inception layer than we think. There's maybe three layers instead of two, because I think that with that being said, maybe this is, uh, intentional thing, knowing that we want to build our team with guys that are proven in this league because we're already bringing in guys that are veterans, right? We've already committed to this type of roster construction. So with that in mind, we are going to keep drafting uh, young players in the quadrant of positions that is the most valuable, which is the center position, right? So you're getting top-level talent at the position that is most in demand And that makes the biggest impact on your offense, which is the league has been making rules changes down to taking away inches away from goalies pads to make it more of a scoring league. And so it seems like a a hedged bet in a way in your call and ability to make the big moves, such as the Petrangelo signing, such as the the Jack Eichel trade. And then the other moves that you have to make to enable that or after the fact, because once he's back in this lineup, we have to move other players because yes. the money will not work. There's a salary cap so issue as soon as he becomes coming. healthy. And so, but in order to be able to make those decisions and not have to be dealing with uh, all this red tape, well, can we make this deal? Is this what we want? It's, all of these like workflow things, all of this has to be built up over time and because they're starting from such a young point compared to all these other teams. This is why they're able to jump at these fish hooks right away because they're not being constrained by the same uh, BS like other teams are. And they're willing to swing. Knights definitely take another swing. <laughs> They've been swinging hard. This time there is something in return when we uh, let somebody go. It's Alex Tuck saying goodbye. It's Peyton Krebs saying goodbye. And it's Jack Eichel. Whether or not he slots in this season or slots in the postseason is really up to the doctors and how the well. The Golden Knights over the next few weeks to be totally on. Doctors first. Right. They're thinking surgery by the end of the week. Um, and I'm sure they've had that ready to go the second that this deal got done. And so uh, hopefully he can come back for the playoffs. But you know what? Based off of how things are going, that might not be in our immediate future. And that's why when you brought it up last segment about the top 10 protection, and that's something we see the top 10 protections usually associated with NBA deals. Right. But I know what you're thinking. Yeah, I know. I know you know what I'm thinking. And, and that's, well, if it's top 10 protected, what if they're bad this year? What if they can't dig themselves out of the hole that they're actively doing right now? What if Mark Stone does come back and everybody gets back? But what if somebody else gets injured? It's just we've burned a lot of the breathing room already, right? And then we're going to have to go balls to the wall the second they get back here. That's not always a winning formula. That's what the Minnesota Wild have been trying to do for years, and now they're two years down their rebuild because they figured out that's not going to work. And so – in a way, KMAC has allowed this team to hedge their bet on that because if they do end up with that top 10 pick, well, then we could just draft another young center that will flip it two years for, <laughs> I don't know, whoever, Owen Power or or the, the Capo Kakinen character for the Rangers or something. Because how many number two overall picks do we have on this team right now? A lot. 
It's it's a different way of doing things, but they're one of two franchises that really have the ability to do to to conduct business in this manner. And I wouldn't even extend that to Seattle because they're not they're operating with the notes after we came in and busted the test. Yeah, there's clearly some proactivity when it comes to the front office of the Vegas Golden Knights. They mm-hmm. keep assembling the chess pieces, whether or not it real whether or not we end up with the the uh, taking the queen on the other side. He will, makes ten million dollars a year. He's the highest paid player on this team, more than Mark Stone. And more than Alex Petrangelo. Yep. And yeah. he's a former captain. But thank God he doesn't have to be one in this room. Because I agree with almost all the other people that are uh, punditing about how they thought Jack Eichel was given that captaincy way too early. Absolutely. Because all of a sudden, Sid the Kid walked in and Gabriel Landis got like, we got to give the 18-year-olds the scene. And some of them are already. Some of them are. Some of them even bring success, as we were talking about Jonathan Taves earlier in the year. But not everybody's captain material. And I don't think Jack Eichel was captain material when he arrived in Buffalo. Maybe he will be in the future, but he, we don't even have to worry about that anymore because we just want him scoring goals, right, especially correct. on the power play. Right. By the time he gets here, we probably won't have one by then either. So hopefully he will be the curse breaker. <laughs> McCrimmon did mention power play opportunities, and that's where he could help out. His and shot I, the, is unbelievable, Paul. The satisfaction for fans will be seeing the first Selly in a Vegas Golden Knights uniform, of which he is wearing apparently number nine. Yes, of course he's wearing number nine. That is his that is his number, and it's a it's a great kind of wash over for the first number nine that we had in our franchise history. Up next, your fantasy football dreams come true. Nate Lundy joins us. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Lindsey Brown and Lindsey Brown, the Playmakers. Jack, 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 Jack. Well, it was excitement. You're adding a player of that caliber, right? I mean, he's talking about one of the top forwards, top centermen in the entire NHL. So I think if you look at how we can complement our other guys up front, that's going to be a big part. But I think once Jack gets here and, you know, gets healthy and all that, I think, uh, you know, it'd be a good good feeling in the locker room because we know, you know how strong the player is. Exclusively on 1140 The Bet. Oh, a little premature. What else is new here? This is what happens on the Playmakers. It's a very special day today because two years ago we started this show. So naturally, Paul has left me because he has to go coach up the kids at the baseball. And so when one Paul leaves, we have to replace him with, I'm hoping, a better version. Uh, and joining us today to discuss 
Uh, just another day in Vegas Golden Knights history, but uh, it happens to be one of the biggest days in the NHL. Paul Hamilton from the Buffalo side. Paul, it's the first time we've had you on the program. Welcome, my friend. I'm honored. How are you? I'm doing okay. I mean, I wasn't expecting this deal to to get done today, let alone at the early hour that it did. Did you feel that this was going to get done today, though? I actually thought I got to Seattle uh, yesterday afternoon, and I was going to go out and hang around and everything, and I thought, you know what? This sounds like it's getting close as nighttime came, so I'm kind of stuck in the hotel. It's pouring outside anyway, so I wouldn't have been able to walk around. And uh, it didn't happen, and I get a call uh at uh, 4.45 a.m. Pacific time. Time to get up. Time to get on the radio. Uh, the Jack Eichel trade is here. So, uh, you know, I've been, as you can imagine, on the radio ever since and uh, yeah. went out to the morning skate, talked to some of the players uh, about it, and uh, back and just getting ready to head down for the game when I'm done speaking with you. That intuition uh, comes in handy. Sometimes the best decisions are the ones that you don't make. And and when you when you have something rumbling for as long as this was, this entire saga that I'm sure all parties involved are very excited to just move on from, because Eichel was stripped of the captaincy preseason. You know he failed the physical. Obviously, there's been a lot of hurt feelings. This is definitely all business. No personal things involved. Absolutely not. But how, how big of a presence do you think this shadow of Jack Eichel had on this team? Because they are off to a great start so far this season, at least one that we didn't really foresee coming from the Buffalo Sabres. And, you know, the captaincy thing, I know, yeah, he was stripped of the captaincy. But in the end, he was never going to play for the Sabres again. And he wasn't even going to stay in town after he failed the physical. So it didn't make sense to keep him as the captain. I mean, it was, oh, the Eichel sure. era was over. You know, so, you know, that I just think – and. Michael told Kevin Adams after he failed the physical, he goes, listen, you know, he still has friends in that locker room. And he goes, I don't want to be a distraction to them. So I'm going to take off, you know, and that was the best thing. You didn't need him around and around the room or whatever. So really for the players, he's been gone. As far as they're concerned, he was traded in training camp because they haven't seen him. You know, they haven't talked to him face to face personally. Uh, He's been in Buffalo a little bit, but not much. Uh, so, you know, he stayed away purposely because he didn't want to be a distraction to guys that he calls friends and, and that type of thing. And, and, uh, so for them, I don't think it was really anything that bothered them. He wasn't in the locker room. He wasn't even in the city and they went, when they went about their business to a five, one and one start. It makes sense. I I'm, I don't disagree with anything you're saying here, Paul, because I don't think it's a coincidence that they're off to a good start, and so are the San Jose Sharks that are operating in a locker room that does not include Evander Kane for the first time in a long time. Like, I don't think those are coincidental things. And in terms of the reasons why Vegas was interested in Jack Eichel, we've gone through, and you've gone through on the radio today. I mean, they don't have a shot like that. The power play is abysmal. By the time he gets back, maybe they'll have a goal by them, but I'm going to put money down probably that he will score the first power play goal of this season. But in terms of what's going back, what's leaving us here in Vegas and going back to Buffalo, they're getting Alex Tuck, they're getting Peyton Krebs, they're getting a, a top 10 protected pick. But specifically with those two names that lead it off, because I prospects and everything else, those are futures. Those aren't technically people yet. But who are you most excited about in terms of the addition, Tuck or, or Krebs? Well, you know, Tuck, he's from Syracuse, New York, which is just two hours away, was always a Sabres fan. That's why if he had to go somewhere, that's why he's excited to be a Sabre. I mean, you know what, what he can do. I think he can be a top six forward for the Sabres when he becomes healthy again from his shoulder surgery mm-hmm. and uh, be a guy that, that can really help them. Uh, 
But Krebs, he was the centerpiece of the deal. And Vegas didn't want to let him go. And there, you know, the talks, they were just like, no, no, no. And Adams just wouldn't back down. You know, the Sabres already made a Ryan O'Reilly trade. They weren't going to make a second one, Mm -hmm. you know, where the Blues had said, well, you know what? We don't want to give up our top prospect. And the Sabres wound up getting maybe their third best prospect. And Adams wasn't going to do that. And nobody was giving him their top prospect. And he actually wanted their top two. Mm-hmm. Well, that wasn't going to happen, and I think he finally realized that this late in the in the process. But once Krebs was put into the deal, then it's like, okay, now, all right, maybe we don't need your top two prospects. Let's look at the veteran player, the player that, you know, it, it helps Vegas a little bit getting that money out of there, and somebody that the Sabres at 25 years old and still has four years left on a pretty decent contract, mm-hmm. you know, that – that, that, that the Sabres can use and maybe plug into their top six. And then, of course, get, you get the number one pick out of it and the number two pick out of it. I think maybe he would have liked two number ones. But if, if Vegas was going to finally put Krebs into the deal after resisting for so long, Adams can't sit there and say, well, you still got to put your second best prospect in there and we still need two number one picks and the yeah. rest of it. I mean, he's got to back down somewhat too. And he did. Exactly. You got to compromise. You got to realize when you have a good deal in front of you and, and when to uh, maybe make a decision that you would normally make differently in the past. And I think your, your reference to the O'Reilly uh, trade and probably learning from those past mistakes, because they're going to be sending Peyton Krebs directly down to their AHL affiliate instead of sending him up to the NHL. And, you know, Buffalo in the past has rushed their talent. Eichel with the captaincy. We don't need to really get that into that. Casey Middlestat, I'm from Minnesota, very familiar with his development. He mm-hmm. came up early. He probably could have used another year or two at the University of Minnesota. But with Krebs being sent down to the AHL, they're saying no pressure. He's going to be up here for a long time, so we're going to let him get acclimated to his uh, his new surroundings and everything else. But how much does Owen Power's decision to not join the team this year, go back to Michigan, feed into now this decision to slow roll Krebs? Is this all in the same tornado, or am I just connecting dots that don't exist? Yeah, Adams was very supportive of Power. Power never got the chance to play in front of a crowd in Yost Arena. He never even had a chance to go to class. Right. Plus, he wants to play with Team Canada in the World Junior Tournament. So he felt one more year. And Kale McCarr went one more year. As a matter of fact, his Frozen Four experience was in Buffalo. It was in Buffalo at the time. So I remember Kale McCarr very well from that tournament and going straight to Colorado after that. So Power just wanted to be the college experience at Michigan, and they all went back. What four of the first five are all? Well, who would it with that stable that they're that they put together in there? It's everybody. Yeah. They're all have been having sleepovers together at NTDP since they yeah. were ten, anyways. Yeah, so they all went back, you know, to try to win a national championship together. When that's done, whenever that's done, I think he'll sign with the Sabers and come on board. How many games will be left? I don't know, but. You know, that's when I think he'll come. They've, they've got a defenseman who's the number one pick in Johnson at the University of Minnesota uh, that, that they're very high on. So when you've got power, and Krebs is going to be joined by a kid named Jack Quinn, who was their number one pick last year. He is now the third leading scorer in the American Hockey League and was player of the month. That's how well he's doing down there with a kid named J.J. Paterka, who everybody thought was going to be a number one pick, probably – should have made the team out of training camp. That's how well he played. He went down there. So Paterka's playing on a line with Quinn. They have a veteran, uh, Sean Malone, who's also from Buffalo, who's centering them. But maybe they might put the kid in there that they just got in Krebs and let him center the two of them. 
And then we get, you've got two guys who were drafted in 2020 with Krebs centering them. They might come up as a group and be a line that, that, that was with the Sabres for many years to come. And we haven't even talked about Dylan Cousins, who has been a oh, teammate yeah. with Krebs many times at Team Canada, who talked about him today and what a great player he is. So, you know, I, do, I, I agree with you. I like the fact that they sent Krebs down just to get his, you know, calm down, get your footing, figure out what's the, with the organization here. And uh, who knows how long. He might only be down there a little bit. He might be down there for a while. Who knows how long, how, how that will go. Talking to Paul Hamilton, who covers the Buffalo Sabres for WGR Sports Radio 550. And we already kind of brushed on uh, at least my joke about the power play here for the Golden Knights. But just to kind of shift our gears back to Jack Eichel and ask you specifically about just his skill set, his game play. Because the Golden Knights haven't scored yet one on the on the man advantage this year. And I want them to go for the record because if we're already this far gone, we might as well uh, get some commemorative print out of it. But in terms of when Eichel is able to join this lineup, his surgery goes well, let's make all of these assumptions. He is a very, very lethal weapon on the power play. Where do you put him and what type of power play do you construct to best feature him and that shot that has already brought him so many goals in his very young career? Well, he's a right-handed shot. So they put him in the left circle and they put Victor Olison, who actually has a better shot than Eichel. He's a left-handed shot. They put him in the right circle and then at the top of the power play, he had Rasmus Dahlin feeding the two of them. Well, Rasmus Dahlin has had his problems at times so far in his career, but one thing he knows how to do is put put the puck in somebody's wheelhouse on the power play that they can just rip a one-timer that the goaltender doesn't even see. And they, the Sabres got a lot of goals. It's like, all right, who do you want to take away? Do you want to take away Eichel, or do you want to take away Olsen on the other side, who, as I said, actually has a better shot? And uh, if, if you're going to take away Olsen, now Eichel's going to be wide open over there. So that's what made the power play so good is that one-timer from the circle. Now, Jack will go into some streaks where it goes over the net almost every time. Very but familiar with that here. It. Yeah, but he'll work on it. He is a guy that will work hard. And he works hard in the offseason, and he works hard in practice. And when that, that starts going uh, south on him, you'll see him in practice working on it to get it back. So you don't have to – one thing you don't have to worry about with Jack Eichel is work ethic. You know, he, he will work on his game. He will work on things that, that will make him a better player. And, heck, two years ago playing on the Buffalo Sabres, he was in the MVP uh, conversation. Yep, absolutely. Is he a guy that gets frustrated if the puck isn't on his stick or isn't being fed to him first on that power play? Because we have very gr- great weaponry that's not available to us right now with Vegas with Patrick, right, with Stone. And this is the ultimate question when he really does come back is how do you manage all that talent on on one uh, on, on one power play? But I suppose it's, it's a, better to pro- a better problem to have than most. Jack will get frustrated and you will see it on the ice. You will see him, you know, shaking his head and that kind of thing. He's better now than he used to be. But you know what a lot of that is, is losing. True. They've done nothing but lose and lose badly. And it frustrated him to no end. Uh, That's why he wanted out of Buffalo because the losing finally just got to him. And it got to a lot of guys where, I mean, how do you have a team that has uh, Jack, Jack Eichel, Ryan O'Reilly, Sam Reinhart, Evander Kane, and you're like the worst team in the league. How does that happen? I, I, I don't I don't see how that could ever happen, but it did. You know, so you, you look around and say, why doesn't this ever work here? And so I think a lot of Jack's frustration was the losing. It just 
to a point where he just, because he loves Buffalo and he loves the fans in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And he feels the fans deserve better than what they've gotten. And he, he's upset, he said today, that he was upset that he couldn't do more for the fans because yeah. they deserve a winning team. But that's what I think a lot of his frustration is. So when the game's going south and the puck's in his skates instead of on his stick and he's there shaking his head and the the body language looks awful, I think a lot of it goes back to the just the horrible losing that he has endured since he's been in the National Hockey League. Well, and to be honest, he, he he's a, he's an elite hockey player his entire life that grew up in the Boston area. He probably hasn't had a lot of uh, brushes with adversity at that level. He went to one year at BU, wins the, the Hobie Baker there. I forget what the result was. I know that they didn't win the Natty, but just into, he expects that success. And not to mention, every time we talk about his draft, everybody says, well, if Connor McDavid wouldn't have been there, he would have been the number one overall pick. And in a way, while the Oilers haven't really gone anywhere either, it's certainly gone more places than, than the Sabres do. So I think there's a little brother, at least some inadequacy dining that's at play here but he will definitely have a chance to shake that off with a with a winning culture and not to mention a few extra added matchups between him and one Mr. Connor McDavid but I really have enjoyed our matchup between you and I today Paul I appreciate you joining us and hope that you will do so again in the future I will thanks for having me it's been fun Absolutely. Enjoy Seattle, Paul, and uh, we will talk to you very, very soon. And don't worry, people, we are not moving away from the hockey talk. We are just going to shift gears into the college game because it is time that somebody put some damn respect on the name of the collegiate women's game. We'll be back. We'll be back. 1140. Play Bye. The buzzer beaters. Harmon gets a running start. Angles left to the wing. Inside the arc. Lost it at the foul line. Had it stripped. McBride a steal. A half-court heat. Oh! The deep looks from downtown. Now Durham trying to turn the corner. Kicks it left side. Finishy. Three. Up. The no-look dimes. Deep bounce. Auburn off the window. Bang. Bucket foul. The best in college basketball action tips off November 9th on 1140 The Bet. Las Vegas. You found the Playmakers. Only on 1140 The Bet. Las Vegas. Oh, this is so fitting. You don't even know, Marcus, because this was on the warm-up warm mix. I almost lost myself in the sentence because I was so excited for the drop. Uh, Lindsey Brown here and alone on the Playmakers. Paul has left me by the wayside on the two-year anniversary of our show, which is fine because I'm pretty sure uh, I missed the show entirely last year. I don't know why, but uh, it's been a wild couple of years, and uh, in many ways I feel like I'm still fresh out of college and – even before I arrived here in Vegas, I, I feel like I don't know what I'm doing most days in this industry or just like existing. And then sometimes I realize like how far we've gone down certain roads, be that time or otherwise. And it's been a tough week. I mean, we've talked about it at length about why it's been tough, all the different reasons it's been tough. But sometimes it's just tough to exist in general because that's the way it always has been. And today there has been a huge push on social media that I myself have participated in uh, about talking equity in collegiate sports. Because just a couple of days ago, there was a report released. It's not commissioned because that usually means start something, right? It was There was a publishing of an NCAA external gender equity review. It is phase two of said review that was conducted by Kaplan, Hecker, and Fink, LLP. The reason why there was a phase one, phase two, or that there was any reflection about this stuff at all is, I don't know if anybody recalls around 
uh, March Madness last year uh, that there was a big story about some pictures that were released of the weight rooms that were provided to the women's basketball teams competing in the tournament, which I don't think at the time could be considered March Madness because they said that was the name for the men's tournament only. Uh, But they had, like, no weights. They had absolutely no equipment. It was an absolute joke. And guess what? The, The men didn't have to deal with any of that, literally any of that. And the large part about this second phase of this review is talking about the other sports because phase one was mostly about basketball because that was a whole thing that was sparked. That was the the point in time where everybody says, oh, probably should look into this, especially since lots of people are enraged. And that's how this works. If enough people say, hey, this ain't right. What's happening? This is not right. Sooner or later, the people will have to respond, at least the, the people that you are intending to get a response from because they will just have to bow to pressure. So that's how we get to where we are. In terms of the results, let me tell you they're not happy. They're not good. They're exactly where you would think. Men get a lot more money than the women's sports do. And sure, there are a few exceptions here and there. We have, we have exclusive uh, sports like field hockey where only women compete in that at, at, at the college level. I know that men have some exclusive sports. I'm not really going into too big of details here because I want to talk about the actual gap, the closing of the gap. Because I was asked to, to push a lot of this stuff out myself and tons of people involved in this industry are. But I know my spot in this. I know that where I come from. I went through this system. I still have friends in this system. Hockey means a lot to me, especially uh, just the collegiate side. It, it's brought me to where I am today. And uh, obviously, I, I still have a very close relationship with Coach Matthews, who's now the associate head coach at, at BU. We are huge BU fans now here in Vegas, obviously. Jack Eichel is here, so we are... BC, Alex Tuck, I'm sorry, you got to go up to Buffalo. BU, we are bleeding red down here. But in terms of what they found specifically uh, pertaining to the Women's Hockey National Tournament, because what they have not only provided the gap, the differences, the to, to show all the evidence, but they have also provided solutions. What a concept. But apparently the money spent per student athlete for men's hockey on average is $9,805. I read that weird. I apologize. For the women, 3421 That's just ever so less than half. The gap, $6,384. That's dollars spent per athlete, according to this study. I'm not going to read all the stats, just the ones that I think are important. The total cost of the championship, the national championship tournament, in which the men field more teams than the women. Men field 12 teams, women field 8. Women play in uh, arenas that are on campuses. Men play in NHL buildings because they have more people to accommodate. So with that, their revenue is higher. With that, your investment back into that product in turn is higher. So the total cost of a national championship tournament for the men's hockey side, $4.2 million, just $6.8 million less than Jack Eichel's $10 million a year salary for women's. $656,827. We didn't even get up to the seventh digit. That's a gap of greater than $3.5 million, which is a great amount, except when we're talking about gaps in terms of investment into men and women. Uh, 
percentage of teams eligible to compete in said championships. Like I said, this matters because the more teams involved, the more serious the event is and the bigger investment there is in the programs themselves because we have more chances to compete. or 26.7% for the men, 16 out of 60 teams get to make it for women's 8 of 41, 19.5%. It's just not enough. It's straight up not enough across the board. And this is how you start fixing this. Coach Matthew sent me a bunch of this stuff of, of terms that uh, just some things to read out for you because this is a huge time for women's sports right now because everybody is trying to get their stuff going. Everybody is trying to make up for lost time because they have a 75-year head start, sometimes more, men's collegiate commissioned sports versus women's. But per this uh, equity review, which, as I said, which uh, was sparked by the March Madness thing, it brings that focus that allows us to figure out how do we improve collegiate sports and specifically in the NCAA tournaments. And so it is time to expand the tournament to 12 teams. As I said, men's teams, men get 12 teams, so should we. Women are at eight. They even had a halfway proposal earlier this year, said we want to go 10. They said, we really like the idea, but we got to wait for more resources and funding to maybe consider it. Yeah, what else is new? That's called kicking the ball, kicking the puck down the road. It's not good enough. It's not Good enough. It is time for 12, and that's why you're seeing these hashtags getting rolled around. Hashtag close the gap, NCAA. Hashtag time for 12 teams in 2022, because now is the time. They they have the ability to do this this year, to expand the field till 12, to 12. They have the support of the coaches. Like I said, I got all this information from Coach Matthews, who is also involved with the larger group uh, at least with women's hockey and all of the sports are also included in this equity review i'm just going down my specific rabbit hole because that's the one i inhibit but if you have other sports that you want to look into in terms of disparity it is a 156 page document and you are free to find it and i have even tweeted out the link for you as i said there is massive support behind this the women's teams deserve the opportunity to play and that there's enough confidence in the logistics that people have been planning for this because they understand the need. We know what is wrong. The system is not broken. It is not built correctly. So we have to build up better foundations in the areas that haven't gotten it in the past. And that's in the women's hockey game by expanding the number of tournament or number of national championship tournament participants. Because if the NCAA says they're serious about gender equity, this is, this is how you do it. This is how you do it. You have shared spaces in terms of competition. This is why I wanted the, the Final Four or, or March Madness. You want them to be in the same city. Paul says, well, what about the cities that have bid on, on the men's team versus the women's teams? Tough stuff. Sorry. This is, the, greater, <laughs> the greater issue is what we are trying to help rectify here. It needs to happen now because there is momentum now, and you cannot just say, well, it needs to be somebody else's problem. We'll get to it the next time because – People don't want to help. So we want you. We need your help. Be loud. Appreciate all of you guys listening. Appreciate Marcus keeping us on the rails here and Paul for even though he left us. Happy anniversary to us and the Playmakers. We'll be back tomorrow, 3 to 5 p.m. Otherwise, be well, stay well, and be good to each other and yourself most of all. Sports and other things. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.